Hello and welcome to The World in 30 Minutes, the podcast on the ideas, events and policies that will shape the world from the European Council on Foreign Relations. My name is Mark Leonard and I'm Director of ECFR and I'm joined today for a second special podcast on the Greek referendum which took place on Sunday and I'm very happy to have two fantastic experts with me. First up is Sebastian Dulin, who's returning for a second bite of the cherry. He is a senior policy fellow in ECFR's Berlin office, a professor of international economics at HTW in Berlin, and his research focuses on European integration, international microeconomics, and financial market regulation. And secondly, we have Vesa Chenova, who is uh, ECFR's Head of Programs, Senior Policy Fellow based in our Sofia office, and uh, will give us the perspective from one of uh, Greece's neighbours, as well as somebody who's sat in on various discussions amongst European leaders and might be able to help us make sense of some of the diplomatic shenanigans which are, will be going on in the next few days. So Greece has voted, 100% of the votes have been counted, and it seems that the no vote won in every single constituency, amassing 61.3% of the votes in total. The finance minister, Yanis Varoufakis, has resigned. In a statement, he said that he's going to wear the creditors' loathing with pride, but some people hope that his departure might make it possible now for Greece to find a more emollient negotiating style and for other countries to meet Greece halfway. Um, So many were surprised by the outcome of the referendum and it's not yet clear what this will mean for for Greece or for Europe. So Sebastian, why don't you start by telling us what you think the result means for, for Europe and also how it's seen in Berlin? I mean, first for Europe, this means a prolonged period of uncertainty um, some people might be surprised, given that this has been framed as a euro in and out or in or out referendum by some some uh, of of the media and some of the politicians in the rest of the European Union. That Greece is still in the euro this morning, and Greece will also be in the euro a week from now and two weeks from now, because uh, well, this wasn't a referendum about the euro; it was a referendum about a rescue package, which wasn't on the table anymore. But the the bottom line is uh, there is no clear path where to go now. Already we have seen some signals that the Greek government is ready to negotiate again with the creditors and we have heard some voices, especially from Paris and Rome, that the governments there are also ready to renegotiate. And I think we are going to hear something along that line in, in Germany as well. So there will be more discussions and uh, we we just don't know whether Greece in the end will remain in the euro or not. So, Vesela, what do you think the the options are for for Greece going on? Um, There are several options that have been floated around. Uh, Of course, uh, they are mainly related to uh, Greece's um, place in the eurozone. Um, One of the options... Uh, that was suggested was uh, to get Greece have a, a parallel currency or directly go over to the drachma. This is obviously um, an option that is uh, very much uh, in front of uh, the eyes of many people in Greece. There was the option of the Montenegro scenario uh, in which uh, Greece would basically keep the euro but leave the eurozone 
which to many is uh, politically easier to sell, but economically very difficult to do, uh, because um, Greece would even uh, lose the competitive, uh, uh, the advantage of, of an eventual devaluation. And then there is the option uh, of Greece renegotiating and, and staying in the Eurozone. Uh, this seems to be a very improbable option right now. Sebastian, I, I, I would disagree here. I think that um, it is a pretty probable option that Greece will renegotiate and that it will remain in the Eurozone that way. I would probably say it's the 50% option at the moment. Of course, we cannot rule out a Grexit, but I would say, uh, well, once the, the dust has settled a little bit, everyone will come back and uh, will find out that there is a lot of interest left in not having Greece leaving the Eurozone. Uh, well, leaving all the legal issues aside just, just because of, of practical and political issues and that the big countries will come back to the table and Greece is ready to negotiate as well and especially with Yanis Varoufakis gone who really has managed to, to make a lot of or basically has turned all of potential supporters for the Greek position into enemies over the few, uh, past a few months uh, with him gone there's a real chance of a fresh start in the negotiations so what would a fresh start look like, Sebastian, under your more positive um, scenario? I mean, you would have to come back to the drawing board. You probably would uh, move a step away from the uh, technical details of which goods to include in which band of VAT taxes um, and, well, how, how exactly to prolong pension age, uh, retirement age, um, and, well, also include some kind of debt restructuring and, well... The German finance minister Wolfgang Schäuble has said we have to start complete new negotiations because the second package is gone. Yes, that's true, but it's also, as I said, a chance to, to do something where all of the actors can, can um, save their face and where we might find a solution in which Greece can stay in the Eurozone. But what does that look like? Because it seems that Greece is going to have to introduce uh, some sort of parallel currency pretty soon if it's going to pay its... Um, I mean, could you want to tell us a bit more about the, the details of, of what a package might look like and how we get through the next few days? Because there is a another IMF payment due on the 13th of July, then there's a, a payment... It's a week later, isn't it, the payment to the, um, to the ECB. I mean, do you want to tell us what some of the milestones are? I mean, one of the... Well, there are basically two elements which the new package would have to have. One of the elements would be uh, probably a new, new fiscal package, meaning that Greece has to pass some more reforms, some more austerity, and this can be pretty close to what actually has been negotiated until 10 days ago, because, uh, well, the EU partners and the Greek government, they weren't that far away in, um, in, in, in the final um, numbers of, of deficit reduction. However, the second element, and that was off the table so far, would have been some kind of debt restructuring um, or debt rescheduling, which brings down the, the debt burden um, for, for the Greek economy. I mean, the bottom line is, with Greek debt unsustainable, um, that there has to be something done for, from, from the creditor side, because it just doesn't make sense to give a new rescue loan to, to a country which is uh, insolvent. This would just prolong the crisis, and, uh, well, the creditors will have a hard time arguing otherwise. Vesa, does it strike you as, as possible politically for, for countries to, 
to do that, given the way that this crisis has unfolded, particularly given that it will be to, even if Varoufakis has gone, it's Tsipras who they're going to be dealing exactly, with. Exactly, yeah. You know, I think the whole, I mean, the economic reasoning behind this is obviously very important, but at the end of the day, the decision is going to be a political one. And uh, I don't see any credit of confidence that this government, the Syriza government, has still in Europe. Maybe here and there in uh, uh, circles in, uh, in France uh, and maybe in Italy. But other than that, uh, I think it will be very, very difficult uh, for, uh, for Greece with this government to get new concessions uh, from uh, Europe. And um, at the end of the day, you know, the same way the Greeks can celebrate their their no um, in their referendum, we have also uh, publics in the Eurozone who can also be happy uh, about saying no to Greece at this point. And I think um, immediately of the Germans, it will be... Uh, very difficult to get anything through the Bundestag at this point, which is not going to um, not only build on major concessions from the Greek side, but also build on a demonstrated willingness to negotiate and to make reforms. And and this is uh, uh, something that uh, that is definitely lacking. I mean, the the monologue on the Greek side basically has reached such a low point that a Greek official last night called the creditors' demands uh, terrorism. You cannot have a political dialogue in, under these circumstances uh, with, uh, with such a government. So I think there will be a very long silence on the European side until Greece comes around to a major package uh, that it will be ready, not only ready to, to deal but to deal with, but also would be willing to suggest on its own. So Sebastian, you're obviously sitting in the middle of this uh, German uh, internal debate. There's a headline in Politico this morning saying, Greece votes, Germany decides. What would Tsipras uh, need to do in order to, to, to allow sort of shift that you're talking about to, to happen, given the state of politics the Vesta has just been describing? Frankly, I'm, I'm not so sure whether the key lies with Cyprus here or whether the key lies with Angela Merkel or, or the, German, the German government. I mean, first on, on this issue, whether they will be able to get such a package through the Bundestag. I mean, we must not forget at this point that Germany is ruled by a grand coalition at the moment. That means there is very little opposition. The ruling government has... I mean, an overwhelming majority in, in the Bundestag. So even if half of um, Angela Merkel's own party would vote against the package, they could still get it through with the votes from the Social Democrats. That being said, of course, for her, it's difficult to sell it to her own constituency. And therefore, it is important that this really looks like a fresh start. I mean, Varoufakis is gone. Um, some other reforms which we haven't seen before, maybe in tax administration, and then Angela Merkel saying, "Well, we this we see the Greek have have the Greeks have moved and they have learned, and now we are doing this because it is in um, in the interest of Europe." Because there's one other interesting thing going on in Germany: um, the Germans or the German public, like like in the media, the media comments, they, I mean, they do not like the Greeks. 
at the moment. They are really much. They they, they feel like they have already uh, always been fooled by the Greek government. Uh, but on the other hand, they also do not like uh, Merkel's indecision. So there has been a lot of criticism for her management of the crisis lately. She has basically left the negotiations to technical level to the finance ministers and the the big papers here are saying, well, I mean, this is something you should decide because you are the elected chancellor, you are the leader. Um, and she hasn't done so so far. And uh, even though Schäuble seems to be moving in a different direction, I'm not sure whether Merkel is ready to, to really take, take the decision to kick Greece out. Um, especially, I mean, given the opposition from the IMF and the U.S., uh, my feeling is that the history books would not really judge that uh, kindly or would judge her kindly if she does so. And she knows that. This discussion's a little um, vague in some ways when we talk about keeping Greece in and out. I mean, could, would it be yeah. possible for the two of you to be a bit more specific about what being in means and what being kicked out means? Because there are various different ways that you can be in. You could presumably be in with the euro and a parallel currency you can be in with um the euro with the ecb giving the banks um liquidity assistance or without it or different levels of that uh, and you can be outside of the euro zone and be, and be inside of the eu uh or leave the eu altogether so these are as you say very different uh, levels of it I mean, uh, let, let's start legally. Legally, you cannot be, um, I mean, Greece cannot go, at least not within the treaty, without leaving the European Union. They cannot go from being a European country to just a new country without the euro. This is legally not allowed. So you would have to either find some legal construction or change the treaties on that. Um, that being said, I mean, the, the, the two uh, basic options which, which I see are bipolar. Either you are in the eurozone and your banks still get ECB support to, to a certain degree or have the perspective of regaining it, or you are out and you have your national currency. All the rest, I think, is, is, is not a viable option. Take the Montenegro option that you still have the euro circulating in your country, but you don't have your own central bank. Um, frankly, I mean, this is this is not not very attractive. Then you would be there. I mean, the banking system would break down. You would have now a country in Greece without the banking system, but the euro is still there. Uh, you would be uncompetitive. So I don't I don't see why the Greek government would would go for something like this. Um, if you introduce a parallel currency, I think this is probably the first step of of leaving the euro because there's always the danger that this parallel currency will crowd out crowd, crowd out the euro in daily transactions uh, in addition legally it's it's not okay to introduce a parallel currency because the eu treaties are saying that the euro is the sole legal tender once you are eurozone member so that leaves us with being in the eurozone and that would mean the greeks need some support to uh, keep the lifeline to the European Central Bank. That means they have to service their debt towards the um, ECB. And for that, they need new money. The question is now, how do we get new money to them? Uh, or how do we put them into a position that they don't need more new money? And th there are some options. You could give them a new loan, which yes, M loan, for example, which then repays uh, the, the loan with the ECB and the IMF. And then Greece would have to repay to the partners maybe over a very long period. Something like that is imaginable. So that would be remaining inside the Eurozone. Um, and 
the process coming to this point, this can well drag on a few weeks or months, um, but, but the funds would be needed for that. The other option would be that Greece well, either introduces a parallel currency or negotiates an exit or just introduces the, uh, the drachma overnight uh, and then it, it, it would be out, even if it's not legally not possible. Um, if if it, Greece, just to, to, to probe a bit further on that, and, and Vesta, feel free to, to come in as well, but could you not, I mean, does it actually have to be the drachma? Couldn't you just, presumably, you're going to have to promise your staff if you're the government, that you're going to pay them in some way. You might yeah. give them some kind of tokens. It might not be, it could be something short of like an official currency, but it could be something which could potentially be fungible and traded for services in, in different ways. The kind of promise of payment or, or some kind of tokens or coupons for, yeah. I mean, is that not possible? I mean, it is possible, and it's actually what Argentina did in that crisis before they left the currency board. Uh, they um, issued, I mean, technically, there were government bonds, non-interest-bearing government bonds, which had the form of a, of a bill, of a normal bill, so you could pay with them. And uh, they paid certain, well, their, their employees and other people with this, and it was accepted, widely accepted during the crisis time because there was a lack of, of other means of payment. Um, Again, for maybe for a transitionary period, you could do this. Um, again, the question is, if you don't solve solve your issues, then this this might become at some point the basis for a new currency. But but you could do it for a while. The question is, um, do you really want to do it because it it creates additional uncertainty? Nobody uh, wants to do it. But is there any other option? I mean, given that that. Um, it sounds like the cash points are going to run out of money this week. There isn't enough money for people even to get 60 euros a day. So sure. how, what else could you do in the next few days, given that it will take a while to negotiate some sort of positive deal? I mean, uh, your, 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 um, well, your government bonds circulating around, this is something which probably wouldn't solve the, the liquidity problems of, of the Greek banks because they have accounts in euros and uh, if they are open in principle and they are not limited to how much they have to or can pay out and you go there and you say, well, I want my 100 euros and they give you some kind of government bond, um, then technically they are in default because they have not fulfilled your, the contract with you. Yeah, so I, uh, this is not an option for the banking system. This is an option to pay pensions and wages. Yeah. Um, and it's also how it was used in Argentina. Um, but I, I wonder whether it isn't more sensible at this point than to say, well, we have enough tax revenue to pay you all 75%. So we pay you 75% and you get the rest once we have resolved all these issues. Um, this would also be a possibility. Um, but I, frankly, I don't know how much cash the, the Greek government has and is going to have over the next weeks. So, Vesta, from, the, from Sofia, what, how do you kind of view what's happening to one of your neighbors? Of course, people feel anxiety. It's not a nice thing to have a neighbor uh, kind of sinking in this uh, dramatic way. Uh, there are also many Bulgarians who work in Greece and send remittances, apart from other interconnections that the, the economy has. But um, at the end of the day, uh, for Bulgarians who have been reforming for the last 20-something years, you know, slowly or, 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 or faster, but, but, but still they have made quite a lot of efforts. The fact that you can spend and not pay is just 
is just uh, something they dislike and obviously they kind of feel personally insulted by because um, it is all about use conditionality uh, in the last 25 years. Everything uh, that has been transformed uh, was based on the kind of mutual understanding that we keep our, both sides keep their their words. And um, the Greek example uh, is uh, now making uh, feel people to, to have doubts because uh, at the end of the day, um, it seems that the Greeks will still try to renegotiate and get uh, some haircut again and and get uh, and 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 not have to pay uh, a big chunk of of their debt, um, while having um, a welfare system that is still much uh, better equipped uh, than it is in many of the new member states, including in some of the countries in the eurozone. Um, so I think this is a big. Uh, the, the, the you know the result of this crisis is going to be telling uh, for how Europe is going to still have a transformative power vis-à-vis uh, -vis newly joining mem members. But also, I think what is important is uh, to look at the southern periphery as such. The Greek crisis made um, this is making uh, also the southern periphery look uh, much more. Um, not only vulnerable, but much less to be trusted. And I think this has long-term implications uh, for all of us here in the neighbourhood. So, um, Sebastian, maybe we could kind of try and pull together some of these points that Vestler's um, raised. So the, the question of conditionality, what happens to that, the southern periphery, and I mean, that's one of the big fears in Berlin and other places as well, is that if you do, if you're seen to give in to, to the blackmail of, uh, of a, an anti-system party like Syriza, um, should, that's the end of any conditionality towards anyone. And it basically means the only rational thing to do if you're Spanish is to vote for, um, for Podemos. If you're uh, in any other country that wants anything, just vote for the most extreme and... and Un, uh, uh, uncompromising party on offer. How, how do they manage to make the concessions that everyone, I think, all economists seem to think they need to do, which is forgiving some of this debt, which is totally unsustainable, but not being seen to be so weak that the EU conditionality um, becomes a joke and... Uh, that mainstream parties throughout Europe have their their kind of deathbed, uh, well, their, their kind of death warrant signed. I mean, frankly, politically, it is a problem to give concessions to Syriza because, uh, as it looks, I mean, economists have been saying for quite a while that that uh, Greek debt is not sustainable, but the EU, EU leaders have just ignored that and they have said, "Well, yeah, we we go on." And the mainstream Greek parties, they have played along. They have uh, accepted many of these bailout packages or so-called bailout packages. And they have passed, uh, well, very impressive austerity programs. They have reformed the labor markets. I mean, if you look at what, what they have done, objectively, it is a lot. They have cut government expenditure 
from the whole public sector by 30%. This is pretty much equivalent is as if we in Germany would abolish the whole federal budget overnight or over, over a period of five years. Uh, this, this is clearly a lot. They have reformed the labor markets they, um, and, the, the, and it's liberal institute, so they have no sim sympathy. They're not close to the Versa. Uh, the Institut der Deutschen Wirtschaft in Köln, they have shown that by now the Greek labor market is um, almost as flexible as, as the one of, of Ireland. So it belongs to the most flexible ones in Europe, much more flexible than the, than, than the German one. Um, so the point is, and, and this, I mean, these things were known. Um, the question is now, how do we do this without sending the wrong signal to other countries? Um, I still think it is possible because you could just say, well, I mean, they have come to the end of the road. Uh, they have a debt level which is so unsustainable. They have gone through uh, such a hardship of five years, so we, we can do something here. And um, even though the government might be, well, dysfunctional and not liked, there might be a solution and I, I would propose to look at the HIPIC initiative for highly indebted developing countries, how it was done there. Um, there was usually done that you, you set some conditions and you said, well, once you fulfill these conditions, we will write down some of your debt. And in the Greek context, you could say, well, I mean, uh, we know that, that the rich people are, are not taxed properly. So what we do now is um, we propose you tax them. And for each euro you get from them, we'll forgive one euro of your debt. Yeah, and you take this one euro you tax from them, you, you put it also in, in, in paying down your debt. Uh, and and you, you, you come up with, with some of these proposals which shows that uh, it's not just the left-wing party which blackmails the rest of Europe, but we, we come to a common sense of how to get out of that. But, uh, I mean, it, it would have been better to, to have done that with the prior government. Can I? Yes, absolutely. And I mean, I think that's one of the most difficult things about the referendum, is it, it's easy to see how you can make those concessions if if there was a technocratic government that you were dealing with, but the politics of doing it with this government are much more complex. Can I ask, uh, as a kind of final question, about the, some of the even wider implications of this? I'm sitting in London at the moment where there's lots of talk about the, the British question and, and whether um, Britain can get changes to the EU treaties um, uh, developed. Do you think that they should be seeing this as a situation which could rise to changes in the EU treaties, either to deal with the Greek situation or to stop the contagion to other countries? Vesla, what do you think about that? There are several types of implications. I think uh, from our perspective, uh, what is important is how an isolated Greece will be behaving um, in European foreign policy. And... Um, and there are several angles to that. First, it's obviously um, about Russia and about the sanctions on Russia. So uh, a, a, a Greek government that feels uh, kind of uh, uh, it needs a, a revenge of some kind would uh, behave uh, in a situation of rolling over the sanctions uh, but in general, the very high degree of penetration uh, of Russian views uh, in Greek politics is something that uh, many people have noticed by now. Um, the second aspect uh, to this is, of course, uh, Greece's role um, on uh, issues like migration. Very important debate in Europe right now. Uh, there are several hundreds of thousands of migrants 
who are right now channeled through Greece uh, and uh, who are subject to control by the Greek state. Um, Greece can as well decide uh, not to to do this control properly anymore. Um, Greece uh, has also uh, been a part in regional, um, in big regional issues like uh, um, the Cyprus question, but also in the Balkans. And here I don't mean only Macedonia. Uh, it was Greece who, uh, in 2003, uh, made the big uh, Thessaloniki promise on behalf of the EU for all the countries of the Western Balkans uh, to one day become members of the EU. All these uh, different aspects uh, are going to have uh, probably a, a significant deterioration. Uh, would there not be uh, an option for keeping uh, Greece closer to to European chest? Wow. So, so, it's a, so there's a big foreign policy agenda which we haven't even begun to, to uh, talk about. We should do that in a separate podcast with you, I think. Bessler. And what My about pleasure. and Sebastian? Finally, on the on the kind of treaty side, do you think that that is another angle that we should be thinking about, or is that less important than the economics and the foreign policy questions that that Vesla's just raised? I mean, I I understand the reflex of the British to see how or where there is an opportunity to get their demands into the treaty, but I frankly would um, caution them against trying it this time because. Uh, I mean, if if the the European leaders now come together and propose a new package for Greece, they will loathe to have another one blackmailing them. And David Cameron has tried the same thing again uh, before. Uh, in when when we discussed the fiscal compact in 2012, I believe it was. Um, at that point, he and, and Merkel wanted to put it into the European treaties. Uh, Cameron uh, wanted some concessions from from the rest of the EU for for agreeing with this. And the result was well. that it didn't yeah. end well. He was completely <laughs> isolated, and they they created a new uh, multilateral treaty without Britain in it. Um, so, and and I think the feeling, I mean, for for the eurozone members, Greece and the whole euro crisis, this is something very existential. And um, the, th- the demands which come from Britain, even though they might feel existential for Britain, uh, they are usually perceived here at the continent as some small, silly things. I mean, because, uh, and it also has to do that Cameron hasn't been really clear about what he wants to have changed. And when it then comes down to things like fisheries or, or, or things like that, the continental Europeans say, oh gosh, I mean, we have a real problem here and you come with these things and they have very little understanding for it. So I would, I would be very careful to, to, to overplay this card, um, especially since I think that they will try to solve the Greek crisis within the treaties and not with treaty changes as, as far as possible. Okay, thank you very much. It's a, a really good discussion. Um, before we come on to our final segment, which is our bookshelf segment, I'd like you each to tell me what chance you think there is of, of Greece staying in the euro uh, and what chance there is of it actually properly leaving the euro. Vesla, do you want to go first? Um, okay, for, um, for the sake of the argument here, I would say uh, leaving the euro uh, would be 60% staying in the EU, however, again, 60%. So I think there will be an inventive way of uh, uh, keeping Greece in the EU but having it leave the Eurozone. And Sebastian? 
I would say there's a 95% that Greece stays in the European Union and a 50% chance that they will keep the euro. Okay. Thank you very much. Well, we'll, we'll come back to this regularly and we can keep you honest and make sure that um, <laughs> you're held to account for your predictions. So um, final segment is our bookshelf segment uh, in which we all talk about what we're reading at the moment. Uh, Vesa, what's on your bookshelf at the moment? Well, I have been reading a lot of news right now uh, because of uh, Greece, but I would uh, recommend um, a book uh, by Mark Mazower, which is on Thessaloniki, and it is um, a very good illustration of uh, how a homogeneous uh, city, which then um, was um, was basically totally changed through the through the through the last decades um, has become very successful nowadays uh, Thessaloniki is maybe being the second largest city in, in Greece is the thriving uh, small economy in Greece uh, that is doing better than others um, I don't know if history has something to do with it but it's a, it's a lesson to look into okay what about you Sebastian um, after I, I offered last time the, the book on Argentina I'm now reading on the German banking crisis of the 1920s and early 1930s um, all the, 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 the whole issue about reparation payments and uh, the discussion whether they, they are bearable for the German economy um, they have some interesting lessons for, for today uh, it is complicated and sometimes one, one cannot draw historical parallels but the disintegration of the Weimar Republic uh, certainly less we should we should keep in mind when we when we discuss about debt relief and debt restructuring today. So, is there a particular name for the book? Um, yeah, well, it's a German book which is out of print, which I have been rereading. It's Karl Erich Born, the Deutsche Bankenkrise. So, probably not very helpful for our readers, but there there are a number of of uh, books on that issue out. So, special price to someone who managed to get hold of a copy. I've um, uh, not been reading anything very long since the last discussion, but I would like to uh, do a bit of. Uh, um, log rolling for my colleague Josef Janning who has written a piece on our website called Cypress's Pyrrhic Victory um, about the particularly the, the way that Germany sees the, the crisis from emerging but uh, more general recommendation to look at our website www.ecfr.eu slash podcast where you can see links to all the publications that people have mentioned but there will be running commentary on what Greece means both for the Greeks, but also for the rest of us in the days and weeks ahead. That brings us to the end of this podcast from Vesa Cheneva in Sofia, Sebastian Dillin in Berlin, and myself, Mark Leonard, in London. It's goodbye for now. The editor of ECFR's podcast is Katerina Botel.